0: And that is healthy, but uh, we know, as people, that it's not always like that. That rosy, idyllic picture of, of the Christian life and what it is is often not like that. Sometimes we engage in conflict, uh, <laughs> and and run into difficult uh, situations. And and as a pastor, you know, one of the things that that I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just a little groove I'm in, or maybe this is just what happens to any pastor who's been in ministry for. 20 plus years is but you get called in to help other churches uh and other organizations uh, manage their conflict and manage some of the struggles and for me in the last several months has been kind of one of those grooves uh where i've been called in to help churches wrestle with some really really difficult things that they've been struggling with. Uh, sometimes it's between a pastor and a worship leader, or it's between one leader or another, or whatever the case. Conflict uh, arises, and I've been involved in uh, a number of those situations: uh, a couple in Ontario, a couple in the Ottawa area, and one in BC, where where it's just managing this and. And and so I have started to take note over the last little while of what some of the common threads in that kind of conflict uh, are. Now we could be talking about church conflict, which is what I've been uh, dealing in and and learning through, Uh, but sometimes it's just conflict within our homes, conflict between husbands and wives, conflict in marriages, a conflict that you might have with your school or your teacher or or that kind of uh, strife, that kind of uh, issue that you're struggling with wherever you're at. And... um, what I've found and what I've noticed in it is that the real solution to the problem in every single case is that everybody needs to get saved. Uh, everybody needs uh, to find <laughs> and, and, and regain a, a healthy uh, relationship with Jesus. Um, in so many of these cases uh, that, that I've been engaged in, what I've found is I've found Uh, a believer, somebody who might believe in Jesus, might follow Jesus, might know the gospel, might know his story, but who might not have an understanding of how that story actually applies to them. So in the case of of a leader, uh, you know, elsewhere in the country and dealing with this situation, I realized that here's a leader that is beyond his capacity to love and to serve and to do the kingdom work that he's called to in his own strength. And I know that place very well. I have been there. I'm there now. I'm there every single day where I'm beyond my ability to serve in my own strength. And don't have a sense within myself, or this leader might not have a sense within themselves, that there is the possibility that they could reach a limit or make a mistake or fail or struggle or cease to grow their church or community uh, in, in whatever way they feel called to, They might not be able to successfully achieve their vision for themselves, but can't imagine that in those circumstances they might still be loved. Can't imagine within those circumstances that they still might be accepted. That there's a fundamental thing in all of us, in so many of us as Christians, that is ultimately trying to strive and achieve to somehow attain God's goodwill towards us. And we've talked about this many times, this spirit of religion that rises up in us where uh, we don't understand that the gospel is really for us and we're ultimately trying to somehow earn God's favor. And on the other side of the conflict is often someone who is exactly wired that same way exactly wired that somewhere that they can't imagine that uh, the person that they're dealing with could love them in spite of their imperfection and, and over the, all of that and over all of that relationship is this incredible vacuum this incredible sense of uh, missing piece and that missing piece is obviously the grace and spirit of God that missing piece is the idea that we can't do this right. We can't do this perfectly. We can't achieve uh, community. We can't achieve this vision for ourselves uh, in, in a perfect way without God coming and filling us and, and blessing us and helping us through our mistakes and covering over our messes. Uh, ultimately, whenever there's conflict, I find people that are trying to do what God has called them to do without the help of God without the help of God. Uh, It's possible to know the gospel intellectually without really believing it has the power to change you. It's possible to be a pastor without believing that God has the power to grow you. It's possible to be a leader in our church. It's possible to be a husband who is a Christian uh, man or a Christian woman. It's possible to be a leader in your home and your family without knowing that the gospel has the power to transform you, that there's something real about it, that there's something authentic that's supposed to happen, that there's a transformation that's supposed to go on in the inside. We suddenly believe that we are called to behave a certain way as people, but don't imagine that God would actually empower us and inspire us and bless us to behave that way. Uh, Christianity is meant to be actually a restored relationship in which the Spirit of God leads and powers transformation. And this is basic Christianity. This is the basics of the gospel, is that as we accept Jesus into our hearts, we accept his life uh, into us, he transforms us and makes it possible for us to be like him, not us deciding, okay, I've accepted Christianity, these are the things that I have to do to be Christian, so I will try to do those things in order to attain a relationship with God right? It's completely backwards. Uh, The grace comes first. And this is exactly what Paul was running into with uh, the church in Galatia. Uh, There's a book in the Bible in the New Testament called Galatians, and it's really a a letter that Paul wrote to a, a church that he was planting, that he had planted, and he had pastored that was uh, wrestling with this exact issue uh, so Paul planted churches as just as a missionary in in all over the Roman world but uh, really this church this area of Galatia is at the southern part of what we would now call Turkey and he went into that community and he pre- preached salvation by grace alone through faith alone by Christ alone that salvation was all about relationship with God Salvation was all about uh, having that friendship with God. And so the Gentiles in that area, the people who were non-Jewish, and Paul is a Jewish man preaching to non-Jewish people, accepted that with incredible enthusiasm, accepted that love, accepted that grace, accepted that gospel, um, and turned to Jesus by the hundreds. Uh, In a way that was really radically transforming that area. They became Christians. They began to believe that the Spirit was working through them, uh, they began to move and see miracles and healings and, and amazing things happening in that church in that time. Uh, it would have been like, like the best revival meeting that you ever wanted to see. Imagine that story of the gospel going into a, a, a town where nobody's ever heard it before. And all of a sudden, as soon as it's preached, uh, people are coming to faith and living out the gospel with joy and freedom. And, and amazing things are happening what happened was missionaries came from Jerusalem and said, well, Paul really only gave you half the message. Paul really only told you a, a little part of it. He, he gave you half the message. If you really uh, want to be a part of God's family, you need to absolutely believe in Jesus, that he's your Messiah. But, men, you're you going to need to follow the, the Jewish customs. Men, you're, you're going to need to be circumcised. Can't sign up for that, women. You you're going to have to keep a kosher home. Uh, you you're going to need to observe the cleanliness na- laws and the Torah. You're going to need to strictly observe the Sabbath, and you're going to need to follow the feast days. and And when you're doing all of these practices that are that are part of of the faith, then you belong. Then you have a sense of being a part of of God's families. And basically the letter uh, written to the people in Galatians was, was, was Paul writing to say, hey, these guys are upsetting the church. They're, they're messing with the work. Uh, the, the book of Galatians is Paul's like magnum opus, like big book, big story on freedom. The book of Galatians is all about Freedom. Um, and 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 just uh, just an understanding of what like looking all through the early chapters of Galatians, you know, we are free from being evaluated in church and community by having our value term- determined by the uh, quality of my adherence to Jewish customs, and that's a, a piece that was important to Paul. Uh, absolutely important to understand that your value in community isn't determined by the color of your skin by your racial background, by your status in the workplace, or by whether you're male or whether you're female. We have this famous thing in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Your sense of belonging in the community doesn't have anything to do with those things. And he goes on in in chapter 5 and, and says this he's talking now about how we're actually meant to connect with the spirit and how we're actually meant to live an empowered life how we're actually meant to live a life where our head is connected uh, to our hearts where we bring both our heart and our head to the table and in Galatians chapter 5 he does, does this he calls to attention the spirit of God and there's a lot to unpack in that whole chapter but we're just going to take a tiny piece But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I chose an old version just to use that word forbearance because it's a cool word. But it means patience, Uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And Paul is saying that there is a way of living in relationship to God that is, is contrary to that sense that, that we, we believe somehow deep down that, that our faith is about understanding something, understanding a way to live, knowing what those rules are, figuring them out, and then by our discipline, walking through and trying to fulfill all of those rules. That's the fundamental sort of religious framework that we have for how we might live as believers. And Paul is saying something radically different here. He's saying, we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those nine things are things that come through having a relationship with the Spirit. They're not things to knock off your list. We go to the Spirit to get those things, not to those things to get the Spirit. It's a radically different way to live. And so Paul puts this beautiful list out there. It's probably one of the most famous Uh, Verses in the scripture, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, a beautiful picture of what I want life in my living room to be like and not at all a picture of what I find in the lives and hearts of myself and others when I'm engaged (laughs) in conflict. Engaged in that conflict, engaged in those struggles, I see in almost every case an absence of those things. Because in those situations, we've come out of a mindset of receiving and accepting the love and grace of God and entered back into a mindset of trying to control our circumstances in such a way That we can be successful or that we can fulfill uh, what we think needs to be accomplished in order to get that relationship with God. So just a couple of of observations on that whole thing of the fruit of the Spirit, on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, The first thought that I have in just looking at is uh, is just that uh, the fruit of the Spirit should not be set against the gift of the Spirit. Uh, just the, It's just almost like pulling ourselves out for a little side note. It's so common in, in conservative Christianity to hear this phrase, God is so much more interested in, in, in character and the fruit of the Spirit than he is in the gifts of the Spirit. Doesn't that sound really, really familiar? That's not actually in Paul's theology at all. Paul's theology absolutely holds up the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and shows them to be things uh, that work together. Uh, in charismatic Christianity, we often have an emphasis on the gifts of the spirit that doesn't acknowledge the character of the spirit. Uh, we, we have this teaching that uh, somehow tied to our personality types is, is what our gifting must be. If I'm an extreme extrovert, then I must be an evangelist. If I'm an introvert, then I, then I must be someone with a gift of service. Uh, if I am someone who is prophetic, I must be really hard-nosed. Right, And we we just don't see that connection uh, at all in Paul's teaching. That's not in Paul's theology at all. Every person who operates in every gift of the Spirit is to also, through that operation and relationship and connection with the Spirit, to have the full character of God as evidenced in the gifts of the Spirit. That character and, and spirit go together. Uh, to say that one of those things, like in Paul's theology, is more important than the other, it's like saying which, which wing of the airplane, airplane would you like? Would you like the left one or the right one? Do you want the spirit or the gifts? Do you want the fruit or the gifts? And, and you're not going to get that airplane off the ground with, without both wings. <laughs> the church is not going to get off the ground without both wings. It's just, it's not going to happen. And so whether we're like a mega-sized cell church in Argentina, a revival church in the Congo, mega church in the U.S., an underground church in China, or our church here in Carlton Place, we need to grow in the spirit, which means that we will flow in the gifts of the spirit and we will grow in the character of the spirit. And if you're in that place, and we have a huge spectrum in this church between people who, are, who might have a charismatic background and who might know a lot about the gifts and a huge uh, group of people who might be coming from a more conservative background, not so sure about the gifts and are all about the fruit, we want to really bring those two worlds together and, and realize that they're both from the Spirit. They're both from the Spirit. There's more for you, whatever end of that spectrum you might see yourself on. And there's more for you there's more for you uh... the second thought i have is that the the fruit of the spirit is not meant to be understood only individualistically but understood as something that's important in community that the gifts of the spirit don't just uh, impact us personally uh, and we have such a tendency to look at ourselves and our gifts and How many of you filled out like some kind of gifts mix survey or some kind of online tool to determine you know where you fit in that range either on spiritual gifts or personality types or aptitude from an employment perspective or any of those things right we've done a ton of those and there's some value in them but the gifts and the fruit of the spirit are not something that is only seen in individuals individuals life but meant to be seen in the life of the whole community that when when somebody looks at the community at the church they're meant to see Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, the very nature of all of those gifts, which is so interesting because they're, they're absolutely the heart and character of God. They, they are who he is. All of those gifts are characteristics of God. But in us, they're absolutely meant to impact how we relate to one another. They're not in any way individualistic things that are just things that we can say we have them in a self-contained way. If we have them or don't have them, they are going to impact our relationships. They're going to impact how we live with other people. They're they're such. uh, uh, It's all about personality. It's all about relationships. It's all about our interconnectedness. So as we understand our gifts, we're we're looking at the people that we're loving or the people that we're not loving. Uh, again, back to that question of that, the conflicts that I've been engaged in, like those gifts have to be in operation for people to just live and work together and do life and ministry together. It's such a critical part of who uh, we are. To, just another observation, um, the fruit of the Spirit shouldn't really lead to specialization, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, there there is a way in which God will put his finger on us and will say, yeah, I'm working on patience with you right now. How many of you love that one? <laughs> How many of you just love that one? Like, like, God will work on patience. But we can't really sort of go on a schedule and say, you know what, we're going to develop some patience this year. Maybe uh, after Easter we're going to work on some kindness. And uh you know what? We're going to save self-control to the very last. That's the one we don't want to deal with very much at all. We can't look at the gifts of the Spirit like a, like a bowl of fruit and, and look to just sort of take out like one fruit at a time. One fruit at a time. A much better way to describe how the gifts of the Spirit work are as facets of the same diamond. Uh, it, it, to understand a diamond to understand the whole, you, you have to understand uh, every plane in it. it and you can't separate it from one another it becomes meaningless if you, if you separate them from one another or it just becomes a smaller diamond if you crack the thing in half um, it, it, your gifts are meant to be uh, connected uh, can you be faithful in your marriage without having to exercise self-control in how you behave with other women. You, you can't. Those things are, are irrevocably connected. Uh, can you be gentle without being patient with people? You, you, you can't. You can't separate those things. Can you be kind without being loving? They, they can't be separated. They're, they're a, a whole thing. And the reason that they're a whole thing is because they are not intangible, disconnected fruits that are somehow things that we can separate out or somehow things that we can imagine are uh, a, a disconnected entity that uh, comes in some mysterious quantity and we can take some of that gift and we can put some of that gift in our pocket and walk around with it for a while. The, the fruit of the Spirit ceases to be the fruit of the Spirit when they come become disconnected from the tree. The fruit of the Spirit are the character of God. They are who he is. They are who the Spirit is. Uh, The Spirit of God is love. We know that God is love. The Spirit of God is joy. And joy, like joy is a tough one for us. Joy is a tough one for us as people, right? Do you imagine God as being joyful? God is the most joyful being anywhere. Like He is joyful. Can you imagine that He is joyful in Himself and happy in Himself and fulfilled and delighted in Himself? Is being God. Is that how you imagine God? I don't imagine God that way very well. I I very much imagine God with his brow crinkled. I very much imagine God. Actually, I think God has a pipe. That's just a weird thing about the God I imagine in my mind. But God is sitting there with a pipe and he's reading a book, and you better not disturb him too much or he's going to be cranky. That's maybe how I imagine (laughs) myself. (laughs) God is writing a sermon, and you better not knock on his door. Or, or he's going to be cranky with you. That's how my children imagine God, I think. <laughs> right? We, we don't imagine this God, but but he is joyful. He is joyful. He He is happy. If you want to get the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to get those things that make it possible for you to live well in relationships and to get through conflict and to be successful in the thing that God is calling you to, you can't just go and say, I want to get some joy, I want to get some love, I want to get some peace. as though there are things that you can find lying around. The only way to get those things is to go to the stem of the tree. The only way to get those things is to find God himself, to find the Spirit himself. They're they're irrevocably connected to him. It's all about relationship. And and if we try to get those things that are disconnected in a way that are disconnected from him, we we just fall back into religion. If you try to go to those good life things without God, then we, we become the most unhappy people on the planet. Right? We try to do that. We try to get to joy without God. We try to even just look at the framework of our whole lives as a young teenager. We try to get that dating relationship and, and check out that relationship with that person. And teens might be thinking, maybe if I have sex, I'll have joy. And maybe if I find somebody that I want to have that life with, uh, I'll have joy with them. And maybe we'll want to move in together. Again, this is a secular framework for how a person finds joy. And, and, and in living together and trying that relationship out for a little while, maybe we'll find out that we actually do like each other and we'll actually have joy in that relationship and we'll be healthy and happy and and then maybe we'll decide we want to really commit to that and get married and that will be joy and and maybe we'll decide we'll have kids and then we'll have joy and then wouldn't it be great if I had a fishing boat and a bigger house and and all of these things all of these things we go to looking for joy don't ultimately lead us to joy they really don't The only thing that leads us to joy is if we go straight to the source, which is the Spirit of God, to relationship with him. And so how does that work? Um, Again, this God we imagine is, we imagine him as a grumpy one. I'm just going to talk about joy among the fruit of the Spirit. We're not going to go through them by any stretch. But that question of joy, God is joyful. Joyful. If you go to God, and if we're going to God in an authentic way, we're going to be more joyful. Do you know there are 27 Hebrew words for joy in the scriptures? There are 27 Hebrew words for joy. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, 14, and 17, there are eight. Eight of those Hebrew words for joy are in just two verses. Sing, daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all. Delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God is a joyful, joyful uh, God. And Whenever you see like a rich vocabulary in something, in the scriptures, or, or, or even in life, you know that that thing is important. And there is such a rich vocabulary. Over 400 times in the New Testament that the word joy appears. Over 400 times. Uh, and whenever you see that in, in, in culture, you know, it's important. Like, it, did you know uh, in, in Italian there are 350 words for pasta? <laughs> there are 350 words for pasta. That tells you it's an important part of the culture. Uh, Bedouins, 160 words to describe a camel. 160 words for camel in, in like, nomadic Bedouin language. Uh, is Zulu in Africa have 39 words for the color green. 39 words for the color green, and Germans have over 400 words for beer. <laughs> you know, like, what's important in your culture? What's important? But, but in the language of God, in, in the language of what he wants for us as creatures, joy is, is a hugely important part of it. And and as we said, the only way to get that, the only way to get those fruit isn't to find them lying on the ground or imagine that we can pick them up from a bowl, but it's to go to the source and, and find the Holy Spirit, which leads us to the question, how do we get more of the Spirit? How do we get more of the Spirit? How do we do that? How does that work practically for us as people if our problem if why we're in conflict and why we're in pain why we have trouble with relationships and why we're unhappy is that we don't have the spirit of God in us Uh, how do we get more of the spirit Uh, the first one just to just to deal with the scriptures uh, fully is actually on the negative side in a sense and it's it's something not to do and the first thing not to do is to grieve the Holy Spirit uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Because, I mean, if you've grown up in, in church and heard that phrase, there's a whole pile of different subtexts and meanings around what that means. But, but just focus on the word grieve for a second. How do you experience grief as a person? Just really simply at a basic level. How do you experience grief as a person? You experience grief when somebody that you love and cared for goes away from you is cut off in relationship with you so how do you grieve the Holy Spirit You, you ignore him you don't talk to him you don't do relationship with him, you don't seek him. So this this very first thing and this is such a tendency for us in, in the church is to just forget he's there. And sometimes we view the Holy Spirit as like again that crazy uncle that we're not sure we want invited to the family party. <laughs> right? Like he's gonna stir things up, that's for sure. Right? He's gonna get the kids all crazy like. Right? So so we we, we grieve the spirit by just sort of forgetting that this this is the third person of the Trinity. Fully God. That the Holy Spirit is someone to be talked to and related to and, and loved. Uh, the second uh, thing, again, these are more now on the positive side. Um, how do you uh, receive more of the Holy Spirit? S- simply through the word of God is, is really important. You know, When we read the scriptures, and we ask the Holy Spirit to come and illuminate this uh, to us. Uh, He speaks through the word. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is a way in which the Holy Spirit flows through us. Do do we just, do we read our Bibles? Do we open up our Bible apps? Do we we just spend that time seeking uh, the Lord speaking to us through his word? It's just a little piece of it. Uh, if, if you want to have that life that's full of joy and healthy relationships and, and overcoming conflict, it's not about going to the Word to find out the rules. It's about going to the Word to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and change us and make us new. Uh, worship. We, we, we need to just be in God's presence and worship him. Uh, look at this incredible story in, in Second Chronicles when they were uh, anointing the temple, when they were celebrating the, the temple that they would kind of finally built it and they brought the ark into the temple. And it says the priests all came and they gathered in their garments and they uh, blew the trumpets and they all worshipped together. And it said the spirit of God filled the temple like a cloud so that they could no longer even stand to minister. The presence of God was there when they worshipped, in such an incredible way that it, that it, it 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 literally knocked them down. Um, just just on a little side note, um, we could show up at church on time and worship. We could we could show up like for the first song, <laughs> with James. You know, the worship team, like Ashley, you know, she comes and she leads worship on the worship team and she comes here for that first song. And and I know that she just comes and thinks, yeah, you know what, we're just going to throw away those first couple songs. Nobody's there anyway. We're just going to do them as a way for people to like have something to listen to as they walk in is is that why James did those first songs? What if we all showed up here early some Sunday and and just we're all sitting in our seats at 10:35 uh, and, <laughs> and and we're just ready to encounter God and worship him. Like honestly, the worship isn't just music to come into so that you can come and all be ready for my awesome sermons. It, it, it's not because my sermons aren't that awesome, but the presence of God is awesome. And if we come with expectation that we're going to encounter the Spirit of God when we worship, how would that transform our character? How would that connect us with the fruit of the Spirit? It would be it would be a radical uh, change for us. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Uh, just. Just looking at this uh, little thing in Romans 8:26 when the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words Ephesians 6:18 praying at all times in the spirit and with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance and making supplication for all the saints uh, super uh, kind of churchy verses that we we've we've heard a lot of times but it, it it's all about when we pray, we're not just a human being throwing uh, our ideas up at God and hoping they stick. There's something about our connectedness with God through the Spirit that, that makes that alive and makes that work. And, in, and as we pray and as we do relationship with him, we receive so much more uh, than we, we, we could ever imagine. As he transforms us just by being in relationship with him. And just the last thought here is to just minister in the Spirit. Just care for people. When you engage, remember we talked about the gifts of the Spirit earlier. When you engage the gifts of the Spirit, you are doing so in relationship with the Spirit. And whenever you're in relationship with Spirit, you grow in the fruit of the Spirit. That, that serving and loving and praying for people and caring for people and praying for healing and serving the poor, all of those things that we do by the power of the Spirit are meant to not only be transformative in the world, but they're meant to be transformative for us. They're meant to change us as well. Let's stand. Lord we long for your spirit Holy Spirit would you speak to us Holy Spirit would you call us to relationship with you Would you lead us to uh, a life that is full of love, joy, hope Peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control Lord, we, we, we seek you, we long for you, we long for relationship with you, for friendship with you. We long to know you. And as we know you, would, would we know you not just with our intellect, but would we know you in our hearts? Would we relate to you in the deepest possible way? Would we see relationship with you as the solution to every relational problem we face? Would we live truly as Christians, not trying to somehow religiously do the rules in order to get relationship with you, but would we truly live seeking relationship with you and trusting that all of the rest comes? Turn religion on its head in our lives, Jesus Turn it on its head. Sweep it away. Let us live as friends of God. Transform us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.